When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Right, we're going to head across to Maddie White, who is the morning's host in Australia in about 10 seconds. Um, and I see he had Garth Tander on the show, which is uh, which will be interesting to see what his reaction was. So, SEN colleague Matt White in Australia, I think should be the there. Right now. There he is, Matty White. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Morning, Staffy. You've had Garth Tander on today. Uh, yes, well, the plan, Staffy, was to have both Garth and Shane on if we could make that happen, but I'm not sure if you've seen uh, Shane's performances this morning on Australian television. He's a little bit worse for wear, shall we oh. say. He didn't last, he didn't go the distance with an interview on the Today Show this morning. Uh, he had to step aside and uh, and uh, relieve himself of <laughs> a night of hard partying. Does that set a, a pretty ugly scene? Yes, so but, that um, will explain why he hasn't responded to our messages to come and have a chat to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, put it this way. So, so the way they did it was they went Garth, who's smarter than the average bear, and went home a little bit a little bit earlier than the rest of them. Um, Garth has now done all of the, or is doing all of the over here our morning time radio and media commitments. And then they're going to hand over the mantle to Shane the Savo. So <laughs> SBG, SBG's currently uh, trying to get some sleep, licking his wounds and trying to get some uh, colour back into his face. And then he'll take over the reins this afternoon. Has there ever been, and this is, I'm not attacking him, okay? So Garth Tander, has there ever been in Australia the alignment between him and the guy in the Mad magazines? Yes. Lee yeah, has? Yeah, yeah, the goof, yeah, yeah, absolutely. With the... With the with the goofy grin yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, look, mate, I've I've known Garth for a long, long time and I've worked alongside him and, and I've known him personally for a long time as well and I've seen him at his, at his workplace time and time again and he's an ultimate professional. Yeah. The year that he won with Nick Perkat was Nick Perkat's first ever year at Bathurst and I was calling and at the very end I said, this is the year of the rookie and the pro. And the emphasis there was on the pro yeah. because the professional that day was the guy that got him there and the guy that brought him home. That's not taking away anything from Nick. But you're dealing with somebody who's been around a long time. He continues to keep learning. He non- he understands how to adapt and be a co-driver and what his duties are. And he's now a five-time winner of the great race, which is by no accident. I mean, you just don't clock up the numbers, whether you're a main driver or a co-driver, by accident at Bathurst. And couldn't have happened to a nicer bloke. But I did point out this morning, Staffy, in, in my opinion, and a lot of a lot of others' opinion too, of, of those that I hang around in the motorsport world, your man SVG is as good as any any driver in the world at the moment when it comes to motorsport. He, he's as good as, as anybody you could throw in. Obviously, your Formula 1s and your open wheelers are always going to be different. But this guy just came off Rally of New Zealand, Rally New Zealand, which was back in your backyard for the first time in some 10 years made his debut in the World Rally Championship. You can't think of anything more different 
<laughs> than the WRC than to driving on bitumen each week. He finished third in his class, ninth overall. The guy will drive anything anywhere, and he does it at the absolute highest level. Clearly, he can't party with the best of them, or maybe he goes too hard, <laughs> but he's, he's as good as a driver anywhere out there in any category around at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah, our sentiments over here, and we, we sort of feel, are we being too parochial when we're just pumping up his tyres so much? But um, we, I, we, I haven't sort of identified why we've got so many good motorsport um, no. representatives, but when you add in Scott McLaughlin, you add in Scott Dixon, we've had, um, his name escapes me in Formula One a couple of years ago, um, Brendan Hartley as well. Yeah, we're flying with Marcus Armstrong and Liam Lawson in the Formula Two. We're really well served by motorsport, and they don't just make up numbers. Like, I think there were nine Kiwis in Bathurst yesterday, and um, yep. went well. And wasn't it good to see Murph back? Oh, it was awesome to see Murph. I'm catching up with him tomorrow, mate. So I'll, I'll get the full rundown. But, you know, it, it, the other part about that is, and, and Murph, a multiple winner up there, he's won four times as well, is that he was humbled to be there yesterday. He, mm. he, he has that much respect for the place and for the current drivers, that he knew at his age, even with his talent, that he was like, okay, I, I've, I've, I kind of don't feel as though I should be here, which is, which is wrong. That's just him being him. But I, I think it showed to me just the enormity of the race meeting that he was at, that he, he knew that even somebody of his standing is, is at a place that is, you, you have to give it ultimate respect, no matter what you've done there. I mean, you think about the great winners up there, Staffy. You think about Brock with nine, right? And Craig Lowndes with seven of them. Jim Richards got seven. Stephen Richards, his son, got five. So in the terms of those that have been up there, you've got two of the leading Kiwis of all time who have mastered our race a combined 12 times just between Jim and Stephen Richards. And, and when, when you say, you know, what, what is it? Why, why do we keep churning out these? Oh, it's history. That's mm. what I reckon it is. It, you know, it's... It's the history of those that have been in your backyard across all of those incredible motorsport categories from Formula One all the way through. And when the history's there, um, you know, the, the, the drive is there, pardon the pun, to continue with that history. And, and those, that, those that come after are those that are following some of the greats. And, and I'm, I'm stoked to see it. We're very, very lucky that we can cross-pollinate with our motorsport. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, like I'm certainly, uh, I've said it to our audience just earlier, I'm no motorsport fan, but I am an absolute Bathurst fan. It's my Sunday appointment once a year. I don't leave the couch. Um, there's no ads. It's and, and the spectacle of the broadcast, the cameras, the technology, the crew, everything they throw at it. I would go as far to say I think it's the best covered sporting event in the world that I watch. I, it's it, it just takes me into the pits. It takes me under the car, under the bonnet, into the um, the the race manager issuing out the warnings. It's 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 unbelievable. <laughs> it's it's very very different, and it's you know, it's not often that you can sit there and, and cover something for a six and a half hour race. I mean, you know, most things are done and dusted. We've been having a chat this morning, so I'm interested on your opinion on this. We've been having the chat off the back of this, uh, off the back of Bathurst, which which I think is one of the great true blue Aussie sporting events. As to what what are our great Aussie sporting events? Now we've come up my list: Melbourne Cup, Bathurst, and Sydney Hobart. So they'd be my top three. Tommy's gone Boxing Day Test, Melbourne Cup, 
and state of origin. What is what is New Zealand's biggest, most Kiwi sporting events? Oh, I'd have to say Bledisloe Cup um, at Eden yep. Park would would probably top it in something regular. Um, Cup and Show Week in Christchurch, uh, the racing vernacular, they have in one week they have the the Galloping Cup, the Harness Cup, and the Greyhound Cup all in a week, all in Christchurch. That is amazing. Wow. Um, ASB Tennis Classic is pretty good, which is just down the road from us. Um, it's had a bit of a hiatus because of COVID, and I'd like to see that get back. But probably the big, big one is the America's Cup. Um, we've had it for so long. Uh, well, when we lose it, we're still so invested in it, and when we can get to sail it at the viaduct down here in Auckland, it is, it is amazing. That is, that is iconic. It's not annual; it's every three or four years. But geez, the whole country getting behind it. Yeah, it says something, isn't it? That um, that one of your biggest sporting events is the Americas. Yeah, <laughs> but that makes that makes winning Which it even cool. more sweet because it's not even our name on it, and we beat America that's, at it. That's right. <laughs> but you guys hey, listen, led the way. That's right, and there's an. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but there's a great untold story on Netflix, which I'm finally seen managed it. to watch. Oh, how good is it? It's how absolutely brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Incredible. Hey, quickly before we we bail out, um, you guys have had a good start to the Rugby League World Cup. Well, in terms of preparation, so 74 points just sort of put the queue in the rack against Leeds. Unbelievable that we did that to the second best team in Super League, albeit. They've been on a bender for a couple of weeks since the grand final, but um, yeah. absolutely amazing, amazing send-off for Thomas Lulawai. And I know you've got to go, but uh, New Zealand 41, Australia 17, first game of the Women's Rugby oh. World Cup, just in case you'd missed it. Yeah, just a little, just a little jab just to a the ribs e- on, a, e- e- on, a, <laughs> on a Monday. How far, how far, how far can, I mean, what are the expectations for your team at the World Cup? What, what are the expectations of Kiwis? Um, expectation is semis uh, the expectation is England are the hardest team to beat we'd like to think we'd be second hardest team to beat um, but France are right up there as well so a semi if we got England in a final at Eden Park for the Rugby World Cup final hang on to your hat that is going to be off the hook amazing because they're our biggest foe in rugby the other team we like losing to least is England good on you mate enjoy the rest of your day cheers Maddie. Maddie White out of Australia. I just said that off the top of my head. I don't know. Some people think I'm speaking on behalf of all of you. Is England the rugby opponent you like losing to least? That's very different to like beating the most. You know what I mean? I like beating Australia for the Bledisloe Cup the most or whoever in the World Cup final. But the team you like losing to least, the one, the loss that hurts the most... The most is England. Like it hurts when you lose to Australia and South Africa, but you know, and France, but you know, France, but England, England, it's the one I hate losing the most. It just reminds me of Martin Johnson and Lawrence Delalio and Neil Back and Austin Healy and Johnny Wilson. It just hate losing to England. Anyway, we will take a break and we'll come back. Well, Bangladesh and Pakistan arrived in a very chilly, cold New Zealand, but it's starting to warm up down in Christchurch, I'm led to believe. Craig McMillan, who's part of the Spark Sport crew, in the commentary, Macca, um, what do you make of the first the first round of games that we've seen so far? Yeah, g'day, Stephanie. They've been interesting. Um, better performance from New Zealand last night. 
Um, but Bangladesh, as you've probably seen from the first couple of matches, are not the strongest opposition going around in T20 cricket at the moment. Pakistan, they're a dangerous side. They're going to be one of those teams that will certainly um, be up near the top of the table come the T20 World Cup. So the interesting thing from New Zealand's point of view is that there's probably still more more questions and answers that, that have been solved from their first two games. And obviously the injury count is a real concern and a real, real worry when you're getting into a World Cup in just over a week's time. Yeah, I, I wanted, we'll do the injuries now then because I was going to bring that up. Uh, we saw Adam Milne go down again. I don't. It must be so frustrating to be him. Um, but I, I feel like he's got the fast bowler mindset but the spin bowler frame. <laughs> what does he have to yeah. do to stay on the park? Um, that's the million-dollar question because he just hasn't been able to do that over his career. It's been unfortunate. Um, you know, he last played for New Zealand something like 12 months ago. Um yeah, I feel really sorry for him. It's just been a wretched run. Um, you know, he's he's a fit guy. He works hard. The amount of rehab he's done over his career must be soul destroying. Um, so that's a that's a big loss for New Zealand. Lockie Ferguson already under an injury cloud. So technically, of the fifteen players that New Zealand selectors have picked for the World Cup, you've got three out injured at the moment with Daryl Mitchell with a broken hand. So question marks on whether he'll make the plane to Australia. I think he will, but. Again, he's going to be going over there injured. And then you've got Lockie Ferguson and Adam Milne, your two quick bowlers, who are going to be so important in Australia where pace is so crucial, um, also injured. You've only got really 12-foot players, so that is a real concern. Yeah, uh, you probably couldn't pick three worse guys to get injured. You've touched on the Australian wickets, very conducive to pace bowling, and Milne, Ferguson gone. Mitchell, who... Uh, was one of our best at the last T20 World Cup. Yeah. Three key figures. So I guess the remaining games in this tri-series almost become trials for um, particularly the fast bowlers. Yeah, there's opportunities, isn't there? I, I guess the concerning thing, Steph, is that of those three players that are now injured, at least two of them would be in the starting lineup. Mm. Um, Adam Milne would be sort of 50-50 maybe, but maybe all three. Um, so, you know, when you're playing a tournament, it's your final preparation for a major tournament. You really want to have your best players, A, playing and on the field, and B, gaining some confidence from getting some form. New Zealand aren't going to do that. They're, they're going to be, um, I guess, just trying to find fit, fit players to, to get in that plane 11. Um, and there's going to be a lot of questions still to be unresolved, I think, at the end of the tournament. So... Um, there's some thinking to do. Um, we'll probably get some more news in the next 24 hours about um, if a replacement will come in for Adam Milne and who that might likely be, but um, certainly not the ideal preparation at this stage for New Zealand. If Milne and Ferguson did come right within two weeks, and boy, it's steaming up on us this World Cup, yeah. would, would there be a risk of including them that they'd go down again? Huge risk. Um, a massive risk, but it might be one that New Zealand are prepared to take because Australia's not far away from New Zealand, so it's one small plane flight if they do get re-injured. Um, I think they'll have to wait and see. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we do actually um, Lockie Ferguson, if he plays at all in this series. Um, but it's the nature of fast bowling, isn't it, Steph? You know, you see injuries worldwide. Jasper Bumra from India, he's out of the World Cup. He's got a back issue. Um, these guys, the force, the velocity that goes through the body when they're bowling at the pace they do, um, longevity is not one of the things that usually comes with fast bowling, unfortunately. 
And then you get people like Trent Bolt and Tim Southey who who've probably got another ten Ks in them, but they don't they don't do it, and therefore they they continue on. Um, what's what's below the Milne Ferguson? I mean, Duffy's been talked about. We're seeing a little bit of Blair Tickner, but not the out and out speed. Have we got any? Well, we don't have any ready made replacements. Have we got anyone that you think's knocking on the door? Yeah, Ben Sears is, is the name. Um, that comes to the fore. He went on the recent trip to Australia for the Chapel Hadley series. Um, he was also called up to the West Indies. He's got pace. So he's he's that guy that can bowl 145 clicks plus. The concern for him is that I think he is under an injury cloud as well. <laughs> um, otherwise, he would be the replacement and called in. So it'll be interesting to hear perhaps over the next 24 hours his status and where he's at. But he's the logical replacement if he is fit. So again, Another question mark over that because he's a young kid, likes to bowl fast, can get up into that mid-140s, which is what you're going to need in Australia. Looking at the batting, um, Devin Conway just continues to impress, doesn't he? 36 against Pakistan, an unbelievable 70 not not out last night against uh, Bangladesh. Just, gosh, can can he just go to Gary Stead and say, I want to bat, I want to open, or I want to be three, or I want to be four? (laughs) Because he is just so good to watch. He is. He's a gun. Um, he's he's been terrific. And look, if there was any doubt about where he should bat, he needs to open in all formats, including Test cricket. And I know that one's probably up for debate. He's been at number four during the recent series in England, but I think opening's his best slot. I think he's a natural opener. And you can't say that around too many people. It's a difficult position to actually master. But he is. Um, he just makes every post a winner every time he goes out to the middle. There's a real calmness about the way he plays. Um, you, you, when he doesn't score runs, um, it's a surprise, isn't it? So I just like the way he goes around his, about his innings. I think it's a good combination, actually, at the top with Finn Allen, who's just going to go out and blaze it from ball one um, and put bowlers on notice. And then you've got the calmness and the control of Devin Conway at the other end. So, um, yeah, he's, he was superb last night. Um, Kane Williamson's still a little bit of a worry. He still looks scratchy, doesn't he? He's, Hasn't played a lot of cricket in the last 18 months, and I think he's one of those players that needs game time um, to find that form, and he just hasn't been able to do that. So it's been really stop-start in terms of the amount of cricket he's played in recent times. And I'm pretty sure that's affecting him. I think the elbow injury is okay now, so that, that's good that mentally he's got been able to get past that. But, yeah, it'd be nice to see that fluent um, New Zealand captain that we're so used to because we haven't seen him for a while. Where to for Martin Guptill? Where does he fit in this? Good question. Um, at this stage, I think he's on the sidelines. So I think um, it looks like they... Look, well, obviously, Conway's a starter, and I think that you have to play Finn Conway... Um, sorry, Finn Allen, because he's an X-factor player. Staffy he doesn't have any baggage of previous years of getting beaten down by mm. the likes of Australia and that. He doesn't have that. He's got a freshness, so... Um, and he can change a game so quickly. If the, I mean, strike rate of 170 is beyond world class. Yes, he's still got some tougher opposition to come up against, but um, you have to give him that opportunity. So um, it will be interesting to, to see. Uh, if anyone does get injured, then you've got Martin Gupta, who's been a terrific servant for a long period of time for New Zealand cricket, that can jump in and fill those shoes. But I think... Um, at the moment, it looks like the, the Allen-Conway combination, opening combination is the one they're going to go with. 
Uh, and a couple of nice cameos in the, over the weekend. Um, Glenn Phillips, Mark Chapman, Phillips last night just showing just the absolute explosive nature. Um, we ran out of total to chase down just to see how good that could be last night. 23 not out. And uh, against Pakistan, Chapman with a nice 32. Yeah, well, Chapman's an interesting one, Steph, because, again, he probably wouldn't have played that first match barring the injury to Daryl Mitchell. Mm. And you think of the opportunities Daryl Mitchell got over the winter because of the injuries to Henry Nichols and various others and, and how he grabbed that with both hands. So Mark Chapman's been on the fringe for a number of years and, and he's a really good T20 player and he showed that the other night. So glad for him that he's getting an opportunity and I'm sure that when those guys have been sitting on the sideline, seeing the other guys in the plane 11 perform time and time after time, when they do get an opportunity, the hungry staff, they, they know that they have to make the most of it because they might not get another one. So that was a good knock from him the other night. So he, he'll be a good good player in that middle order. Glenn Phillips is, uh, I love watching Glenn Phillips bat. Mm. I, I love watching him feel when he's got the microphone on as well because there's always something happening. <laughs> we were interviewing the other night, he was falling over, missing balls, dropping catches. But he's entertaining and he's got that explosive power. So he's a guy that's probably made his way on the T20 side, but he has to be in New Zealand's one day side now. They have to find room for him. Played that last Chapel Hadley match and played nicely. So. Um, he's a guy that New Zealand has to invest in because I think he should be one of the key batters that we have at the next year's World Cup. I can hear the starter on the Clearwater t- uh, box uh, asking you to the first tee. So, <laughs> so one more question, Craig McMillan. Um, is Michael Braceful? I, I watch him play and I scratch my head with him all the time. It's like he's going to be amazing and then he's quiet and then he's good again. He's a bowler, he's a batsman. I just can't figure him out. Valuable member? Very valuable because of the skill set he offers, Steph. He's, he's a power hitter. That shot he played the other night against Pakistan was a poor first ball trying to do a little fiddly lap. That, that's not him. That's not his game. His game is to come in with brute power and hit the ball as far as he can. And we've seen him do that a number of times over the winter. You remember that 100 he scored against Ireland to get New Zealand home when they had no right at all to win that match. Um, so he's just got to work out... and. and given clear indications of the role and how he's going to play if he does that um, there's no one in New Zealand that hits the ball further perhaps very similar to a Jimmy Neesham in terms of that just raw power that those two players have mm. in terms of his bowling it's still a work on um, he came into the side as a batting all-rounder who bowled a bit and now with his role on the side sort of batting seven and, and bowling he's almost a bowling all-rounder who bats a bit so he's, he gives the, the captain and the coach some flexibility but I think he's a really important and pivotal player in this New Zealand T20 side. Last thing, where's your confidence level for this World Cup for New Zealand? Taking into account the injuries, we don't know if they'll make it back or not. What you're seeing out on the park in New Zealand conditions, transferring it to Australian conditions. Um, semi-finalists? Hmm. Um, that would be a big ask. That first game against Australia is crucial. If you win that... Um, then that gives you a very good chance of getting through the semi-finals. If you don't win that, then you're up against it. So it's, it's almost a knockout match straight up, um, that first game at the SDG. I'm lukewarm on where New Zealand are now, A, with the injuries, um, also the lack of form of certain players. Um, I just think that um, we're not quite where we were, what was it, just over 12 months ago when we actually did make the finals of the T20 World Cup. So... Um, if everyone catches a bit of form and, and um, there's some fireworks, then you never know in T20 cricket staff, but I think the semi-finals might be um, a big ask for the New Zealand side.
Good man. Go drive for show, putt for dough. That's your <laughs> mantra. You know, grip it and rip it. Well, yes, mate. It's all about the putting, not the driving. <laughs> Good man. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, mate. It was a momentous weekend in rugby and in sport in New Zealand over the weekend with the opening games of Rugby World Cup 2021. You've got to get your head around that, even though it's 2022. Uh, joining us now, she's part of the social media team with Rugby World Cup, a former award-winning journalist with Newsroom. She's part of the Rugby Play Association. She wears 15,000 hats. But today she's our World Cup rugby reporter, um, possibly the most successful Stanley out of the Stanley rugby stable. It is Ashley Stanley. G'day, Ash. <laughs> Hi, Steph. How are you? What an introduction. Oh, look, I should I'll... come on here more often to get boosted. Yes, there you go. There you go. Now, you you were on the ground. Let, let's cover off the Eden Park Day, the, the spectacle, the triple header, the Black Ferns, the launching of the Rugby World Cup. Just encapsulate that experience for us on Saturday. Honestly, Steph, it was historical. And it, like I know a lot of people have been saying that, but it was a true like magnificent moment in our history to actually be a part of what just over 35,000 people at Eden Park for that occasion was just, it was momentous. Like I, I was absolutely fizzing to be a part of something like that. And everybody around us was exactly the same. I don't think they could have asked for anything better to be honest around you know opening a rugby world cup like that and then I headed up uh, to Whangarei on Sunday and managed to top it off with a beautiful display of three another three games of rugby different atmosphere but again it was still it was you had to pinch yourself really to be a part of something like that over the weekend so hopefully a lot of other people will get out now and, and see the rest of the rest of the tournament. Mm. What was the difference between the two days? Because Auckland's the big centre, the cosmopolitan, the fireworks, the laser shows, the the recording artists and all of that, and then Whangarei, the community feel. Did they have um, markedly different feels to them as um, spectacles? That's exactly, you, you hit the nail on the head really. So Auckland was very much that, and I think they were gearing up for that. It was, it was a beautiful grand kind of experience and then when you went to Whangarei it was very it felt right though do you know what I mean like it felt right for both occasions and both places like Auckland was a very much of an Auckland kind of theatre theatrical performance kind of um, event and then you went to Whangarei and you're you're right it totally felt like a community based thing people could you know we were getting dropped off even though the roads were coned, coned off you could still park up and the people were friendly enough to let you sit there and wait for you <laughs> wait for your person to come and get you. So it was, you know, had the gravel kind of like set up and Lady Six performed as well on, the, on their makeshift um, stage. But I felt like a very, I still felt like it was very Whangarei and very, it probably was better that it was, that they didn't try and do mm. an Auckland style kind of set up. It, it was actually really fitting for the, for the location and they were just themselves. It was, but honestly, the fans in Whangarei, the US fans, amazing. Welsh supporters as well. Everybody came and it just really felt like, I know it sounds really cliche, but the hashtag family reunion, it really felt like that in both Auckland and Whangarei. Yeah, because it's really special. I don't know if you've ever been to an, uh, an event overseas and a New Zealand team is playing it and you go along and you support your team away from home. It, it's a really special feeling and I feel like the, the pockets and the communities of, of Italians and Canadians and Scots and Aussie will turn out and support their teams and that creates an atmosphere in itself. 
It really does. And it really, like the groups that we spoke to, it, it's part of like the social media team for Spark Sport, it was, it was very much that. Like half of them hadn't probably followed the women's rugby team, but they were there supporting very patriotic their, their team. So the Italians were the same. We, we met a couple of Japanese people that were there. And then you had the Welsh supporters who we met, and they had actually travelled the world to all of the Rugby World Cups. And it was a really great one to come down to New Zealand to support their women's team. Um, but, you know, everyone was actually there just to have fun and support. You didn't have, I know it sounds really bad, and I don't like comparing it to the men's, you know, tournaments, but it was very, very friendly and family environment. So there wasn't any drunk people or, or you know, mm-hmm. spectators that were kind of ruining it for the masses. It did have, you know, you had your kids' zones, you had people being able to make poi. You know, you had the you, you had the other stations that were doing um, competitions with the rugby balls and stuff. So it actually did feel really great, and it did feel like when you work. So like, I'm lucky enough to go to the 2019 Rugby World Cup, and it was a great feel because you had heaps of pockets of people and community supporting their teams. It it was very much the same both in Auckland um, and Whangarei for that. And to be honest, there was quite a lot of supporters probably for the Fijian team too for mm. Fijiana in Auckland. So it was it was. Amazing. Yeah, the Fijian rugby supporters are up there with the best. They don't stop singing. They don't stop waving their flags. I absolutely love them. I had, had a lot of experience with them uh, on the seventh circuit. They, they are wonderful. Um, now, part of your role, well, your role with the Rugby World Cup, social media with Spark Sport, as you mentioned, so you get to mix and mingle with the teams. I don't know how many you've got around, um, but what's the feeling with... with We've heard a lot from the Black Ferns camp, and that, and that mm-hmm. is amazing. I wanted to focus on some of the other teams about their excitement levels, um, their gratitude, their, their whatevers at being a World Cup representing their nations. Who have you been able to spend some time with? I was really lucky, actually, as part of the Spike Sports team. So we were part of the content capture days, like, last weekend, so before ahead of the tournament, and um, four players from each um, side came through. And so managed to meet them. So, and honestly, Steph, they were... Again, not wanting to compare, but they were they were they were wonderful and they were upbeat and everyone was excited and I think the main kind of messages or feelings that the players were having outside of the Blackburns, but also including the Blackburns, was that real. I can't believe we get to play a rugby world cup in New Zealand, like the home. They were so, but everyone's buzzing like, oh, you know, this is the nation of um, rugby. Is this, this is your main sport, and we just cannot believe that we get to play here. Um, and and to be to be honest, I was a little bit skeptical in the sense that I was thinking, oh no, I hope I hope the crowds show up in that sense mm. um, for our women, and they did. And and the players would have been, and they mentioned it after afterwards with a couple of the interviews that we had to go through in mix zone. They they all mentioned that like the hype and excitement that they were getting from the crowd to be able to perform in, in front of something and and something like that. They were they were amazed with, and they were. They said their performances definitely reflected the amount of support that they had. Um, so I managed to get a few, fair few of them, and that's basically what they're, they're just privileged and lucky to be here. But they also want to perform on the field. So they were disappointed the ones that did lose over the weekend, but they were happy to try and go back, tweak what they wanted to work on, and then hopefully come back this weekend a lot better. 
Um, a little story for you. I sit next to a wonderful woman uh, when I'm setting up the show called Paula, and she said to me, "That's the first game of women's rugby she's ever watched, and she's watched mm-hmm. the she's watched the All Blacks for years and years." And she said she was shocked about how how much she loved it, about the skill level, and how. The game never stops. It's just go, go, mm. go, go. There's no mucking around at scrums and lineouts and mm. injuries and fake injury, and it's just go, go. She absolutely loved it, and in 80 minutes, she's now sold. And it's it's past the novelty thing. It's past you mm. know woman want equality and woman want. It's now it's a standalone sport with high skill level, high dedication, professional in some areas as well. Mm. We're gonna we're gonna make lots of ground in women's rugby over the next couple of months. eh? I think that's what probably excites me the most in terms of I was happy with the on field performances because we have a I've watched you know the games before so. It wasn't surprising in that sense that their skill level was up there, especially for some of the nations who probably aren't yet professional, like 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 your England. Um, but so that one that was was great because I was like, oh, that's cool. That the spectacle, the on-field spectacle, was great for the you know for the people who who may not have watched the women's rugby before. And to be honest, and Steph, you'll know this, it's probably a good chunk of half of Eden Park, right? Mm. And to be able to get that as your first experience, first experience and the Blackburn's hucker, like the best you probably would have been able to um, witness, was amazing. But for me, like always, I've always said, it's the off-field kind of impact that is that people I don't think have truly recognised yet. And I think the weekend actually probably did tip it because the kind of powerful messages that that sends to, to generations and, and people now is, is just so... You just can't you can't capture that in terms of like your measurements of success. Like there is people now that are going to be talking about those kinds of experiences, like your friend Paula, um, who are going to now be able to be like, oh, actually, I am going to tune into the women's rugby, and they're just going to be eventually, and in, in, you know, this kind of tournament, a year's time, two years time, it's just going to become the norm, and that's what I'm most excited about is that we probably won't need to be pushing as much to be like women in sport, women's sport, it would just be something that happens and mm. Eden Park will always be sold out when we have our Blackburns playing there. You know, like it's it's that is what excites me the most, is that the power off the field is just oh it just makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, and the num and the number of kids in the stands and the, and this is mm. this is a real proving point for me was I think it was like Twenty bucks or thirty bucks for an adult at Eden Park, and five bucks for a kid. So that took away the financial burden um, that might have put the the roadblock in, in the way. Kids want to go and watch. I met a family on Friday. We were doing a broadcast out of Andy's Burgers and Bars, and there was a family there from Australia, and their two girls play rugby. They're ten and fifteen. They play rugby in Melbourne in boys' teams because there's no girls' teams. And they begged their parents to come over here and watch the World Cup. So they came and they're here for the World Cup, which I think is amazing. And these these girls actually got one of them on the radio, the 10-year-old. And she is so driven to be to play for Australia. But her number one goal is to make rugby accessible for girls in Australia. And the World Cup's doing that for not only New Zealand, but for Australia. So I feel like the message and the effect of this World Cup is going to be far-reaching uh, for a wee while. Oh, honest, that's it. Like, that's a beautiful story. Everyone's been saying that. We had 
you know, Blackburn's merchandise was actually available. So the girls coming through to get site signatures off them were in their full Blackburn's kit. <laughs> and it's not like we're talking about it now, but, you know, in two, three years' time, it's going to be, hopefully, it's going to be the norm. And to be able to get convince your parents, like, I want to go to the Women's Rugby World Cup, I want to go to see them, <laughs> and to come over for a holiday, that's what, these are the kinds of messages. And collectively, that's one story of many that we've heard, collectively it's going to shift. It's going it, to, there is going to be a shift. So I'm just, that's what, that's what I'm, that's what I'm most excited about because it is, it's, it's for our, it's for our babies, right? It's just make sure that not only the women can get access to, to play sport, but that your boys can also see that that's the norm. That they, they, they can have their sisters and their aunties or the women in their lives that, 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 that that's a career path that they can actually sustain and they can actually try and go for. So, I think all around, both all of our babies will be in a better place because of that. Mm. And lastly, on the field, um, by crikey, England look frighteningly good, don't they? <laughs> we, we've got a, I feel like we've got a long way to go to catch them. We've still got a few games, but it's going to have to be rapid. England looks scary good. I think English, but but I think the Fijiana actually proved that that's possible to get around them. You know, like we said, and of course they're, they're going to be good. They're, they're one of the teams that went professional after the 2017 World Cup. So that again goes to show if you invest in your women and you invest in your teams, of course they're going to you're going to get the rewards on the field. Um, but Fijiana actually held them out. Like the scoreline at half time was actually quite decent. It was just they probably got a bollocking at half time and got told to run across. <laughs> the field so they you know, a little bit tired tire, tiring them out but I feel like there was clinks in there that you could possibly be taking note of and, and I'm sure the coaches from the other teams especially Wayne Smith will be like okay they are, they are beatable yes they're scary in terms of they're drilled and their set pieces but actually you know on any kind of day in a rugby world cup you'll know the staff anything can happen mm. you know there can be upsets <laughs> there will be performances that pen- teams put out that you're actually like oh that's actually kind of like it's possible so yes scary good but then their match against France next week will be amazing to watch just to see how how far they've have actually come to especially after Six Nations yeah um, I've read my tea leaves and uh, they <laughs> they said England Black Ferns final Eden Park can you imagine Oh, honestly, it would be like people need to get their tickets now, right? That's like my sister was like, "Do you think that the final is going to sell out?" And I was like, "Yes, of course it is. After that opening, it will." And 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 if you know the if we do get if we finish first with our pool and the others like go in line, then yes, it will be. It will definitely be looking like something like that. Maybe I don't want to like drink it, but if you do all your calculations, that would just be amazing epic to finish on so we know anyone can be there but oh man in england new zealand final at eden park (laughs) i know it's so cool hey ash i know you're busy uh holding down two jobs uh plus uh, a third job with three kids i don't know how you do it mate (laughs) i'm just that's it that is it thanks for joining us today ash really appreciate your time thanks so much staff have a good one Show you the money. That's not so good. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. It's Monday, so we revisit Thursday's Show Me the Money. Mm -hmm. And at the insistence of Sam, we went more conservative, so... 
Captain K, you've got the deets. Hey, conservatism wins championships. That's it. Steph, it's what I've learned over the weekend. Well, actually, we'll see how we went. Yeah, like you said, we went a bit conservative. I was quite nervous being 0-2. To you were start incredibly my, uh, nervous. To start my afternoon's campaign. Uh, but sh- should we just start with me, Steph? Start I know I went third, uh, but I ended up, had a look, Man City were six. <laughs> Sam bullied me out of it. <laughs> so they with, win? Uh, <laughs> I think they did. Yeah, Nifted ch- the City win? City, of course they won. Playing of course they did, mate. 4-0. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 4-0. Erling Haaland, Steph, your favourite. Anyway, I, I had a look. I watched the Chelsea game that morning against AC Milan. I thought, okay, they're playing again on Sunday against Wolves. They'll play the same team. And uh, this was the end result. Black stays down. It's Breuer. And that is his first goal for Chelsea. Orlando Breuer off the bench and onto the score sheet. And it's Chelsea's day at Stamford Bridge. One league down. Chelsea ended up winning 3-0. 3-0. Steph, should we go to you next? Yeah. Should you like to go? So we're one for one. Yeah, we're one for one. So, uh, Steph, you liked the look of Wellington, didn't you? A lot. Over the weekend. Of course you did. They took on Hawks Bay. Should we have a look at how that went? How'd that finish? Wellington win the quarterfinal, and they will host Auckland here at Sky Stadium next Friday night. Wellington the winners, 28-21. Thought it'd be a bit more comfortable, but a win's a win. Two from two. You happy? Yep. I'm bloody happy as well. Moving on to Sam. Sammy. He liked the look of the Black Ferns. So did we all, didn't we? And uh, I thought he was going to take Portia to score after her seven, was it? The week seven before? the week seven before. Seven the week yeah. before. And she did get a hat trick, to be fair. But he took Ruby Tui any time try scorer. Do we reckon she scored? Let's find out. Let's find out. I'm actually genuinely excited because I can't remember what the caller took and we're three from three. Has Sam pulled the right rein telling everyone to go to conservative? Look, I'll tell you what, like I said at the start, conservatism wins championships. I had to ask you if that was a real word. Conservatism. conservatism. But it is. No name and shame here. Caller on the line. He was confident in Waikato. Oh. I think uh, by, the, by the scrunchy look on your face, we know what happens here. Head to head. Against the steamers. Let's check it out. Awada, who was raised. Then Hamilton from a long way out. Gets the job done for the Bay of Plenty. They've beaten the second place team, Waikato. That last hurdle. That last hurdle. It's another three out of four. It's always the last, isn't it? Well, uh, to be fair to the to the caller, I was tossing up between Waikato or Wellington, and I, and I plumped for Wellington. So it could have been me, but it wasn't. Mm. Mm. But we look. I'll take that as a win because mm. I, I I got mine right. Yeah, you're That's happy. That's all that matters to me. You're happy. Uh, first words out of Captain K's mouth as he walked into the office this morning. My show me the money bet came in. Uh, just the pressure just. Screamed it off his shoulders. I was skipping. I remember. I was looking, um, and we'll do that every Thursday. I was just looking on the ESPN website, and I just saw they had a rugby tab. So I just thought I'd have a look at their stories on the rugby from the weekend, and they they're okay. Then I just saw a story here: rugby championship report card rating the All Blacks, Springboks, Wallabies, and Pumas. I found it reasonably interesting because it's not written by New Zealand. I actually don't know where this writer's from. Um, New Zealand get a B, and their player of the tournament. Samasoni Tokiaho. Um, 
Then South Africa were rated a B minus. Their player of the tournament was Malcolm Marks. Um, Australia, C minus. Their player of the tournament, Rob Valentini, but they did note it was a close run thing between Marika Korombeti and Pete Samu as well, Rob Valentini. Interestingly, they've got, they're going to the Northern Hemisphere. They are playing Scotland, France, Italy, Ireland, Wales. They got five test matches in a row on an already depleted, <coughs> excuse me, depleted playing roster. Michael Hooper is expected to return, which would be great. And then Argentina, they got a C um, and their player of the tournament for Argentina was Juan Martin Gonzalez, a wonderful loose forward. They're going north and playing England, Wales and Scotland. Actually, who's South Africa playing? Let's just zoom up to see who South Africa are playing. They've got Ireland, France, Italy, England. Oh, it'd be a good time to be a rugby fan up in the Northern Hemisphere. You're going to get a wee treat and no score, no result is predetermined like we have seen in the past. Righto, we will have a break and we'll have a look back in the day and... Kirst is in the house, Beef is in the Waiuku Cave, so they will have um, the run home from four, but we'll go back in the day after this. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.